Hello, and welcome to Learning to Lead, a leadership development podcast from Cleveland Clinic. I'm Michelle Lampton. Today, we're going to be hearing a conversation between one of our Mandel Global Leadership and Learning colleagues, Colleen Carroll, and two leaders from Cleveland Clinic Akron General, Dr. Brian Hart and Steve Abdenauer. In it, they share about their leadership journeys and unique leadership styles. Here's their conversation. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for being here today. First things first, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at Cleveland Clinic. Hi, my name is Brian Hart. I'm an internal medicine physician at Cleveland Clinic going back to 2004, and I'm currently the president of Cleveland Clinic Akron General. And my name's Steve Abdenauer. I'm currently chief operating officer for Cleveland Clinic uh, Akron General. I have been with the organization about 32 years. Most of the time has been um, here at Akron General prior to becoming part of Cleveland Clinic, going through the integration uh, piece. And then I've spent the last couple of years out at uh, Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates before coming back in this new role. That's great. Uh, do you think that you could share with our listeners how you and Dr. Hart work together and a little bit about your communication philosophy? Well, Dr. Hart and I, uh, first of all, our offices are just one wall apart here. So we have constant communication throughout the course of pretty much every day. Uh, we communicate kind of continuously either through walk-by meetings, sticking our heads in each other's offices, constantly through uh, email, and then we touch base pretty much every day uh, through our morning huddle processes. And then beyond that, we'll have uh, routine weekly meetings where we have uh, just an, at least an hour long sit down going over items. And as Steve mentioned, we have both morning and afternoon check-in huddles uh, where we go over what we feel that, that the rest of the team needs to know about their day um, and what the next day is going to look like. So we put a high premium on sharing information here. I've come to the belief that having frequent, uh, almost constant communication, sort of just-in-time communication with the key members of our executive team uh, is absolutely critical for our performance. Thank you both for that. Uh, I'm already hearing a theme here of continuous communication and lots of transparency. Something we're often talking about in GLI and our leadership development efforts is cultivating a leadership practice. You know, your style, how you lead others. And I think it varies for all of us in how we want to be led and then how we lead. Given that both of you are capable and seasoned leaders, I'm curious if you might be able to share an example of a time you've had to flex your leadership style to meet the needs of your team. Um, one of my first leadership transitions was going from a main campus department chair to regional hospital operations. And within a very short period of time, I realized that the hospital operations job was different. Um, when I was managing a department, we really focused on clinical operations within a, a group of, um, of physicians. It was a large department, many of whom uh, had very similar background skills and training as I had. And that didn't make the job necessarily easier or harder than moving into hospital and, uh, and organizational operations. It simply is quite different because when, when I came out to Hillcrest as the chief operating officer, and that was in late 2010, um, I was suddenly sitting at a table with people um, with extraordinary expertise in, in areas and domains and subjects and competencies that, that I didn't understand uh, much about at all. 
nursing, pharmacy, facilities, clinical engineering, OR operations, et cetera. And so I very quickly learned, I think, to have a very uh, deferential uh, leadership style, one where I saw my job was to use my position as a physician to articulate the clinical strategy and let my team use their expertise and demand that the team use their expertise to work together to achieve those strategic goals. And that was a very different kind of leadership than I'd been used to um, as a department chair. Now, from my perspective, the pathway would have been similar, but still a little different. And as I kind of grew as a leader, most of it had been through, um, I would call more organic leadership, you know, responsibility. And that is, you know, working within the organization, being able to take on um, greater responsibility. And what that means on the operation side is, is things like, uh, you know, getting introduced to a new department or now being over an area that you're not accustomed to. And like Dr. Hart just indicated, now all of a sudden, even though, you know, it may have been a peer department in the past, I may not have had a lot of experience in that area. So now this is something new to me. And, you know, I think a key is to know or admit what you don't know. And that means, again, relying on people who um, are the experts in those areas. And I would encourage anybody, you know, if you find yourself in that situation, learn as much as you can about that area, about the people who are leading that area. You know, what, what is it that's important to the people in that area as well as the, you know, OKRs or the, you know, whatever initiatives at the time. Admit what you don't know, uh, immerse yourself in that and see how you can help that area take down barriers. There are, there are going to be numerous times, I think, in your career as a leader where you're going to come across situations where you're going to have people of varying skills, okay? People who are very seasoned in their areas or some people who are brand new. And actually, I'm dealing with one of these situations right now where we're having a transition of a 20-plus a year employee who is just the most capable individual in their area of facilities and plant operations. And we're going to be handing that off because that individual is retiring to a younger team. Now, how you know I, I would interact or manage with that group, the new group would be very different than with the current incumbent. So it does kind of make you reassess and change your style to fit the situation and help you potentially grow those new folks into that situation. And just to echo some of the things Steve said, I, I found that my leadership journey has gone from what used to be sort of direct management to much more uh, prioritization on communication, and as Steve said, learning. Wow, it sounds like a lot of aha moments and learning for the both of you for sure. And a lot of people focus too. Building off what you both just shared and how closely you work together, do you find that your leadership styles always jive or have you had to adjust for one another? I had the pleasure and opportunity to work with Dr. Hart in a previous role. And so I was exposed to his leadership style. And I think his style and my style are somewhat similar. Certainly, I think we're both uh, collaborative in our approaches. Um, I think we both want to understand what's happening in specific areas. And uh, um, another thing that I will say I think is actually very important that I greatly appreciate about Dr. Hart is his uh, willingness and ability to inject humor um, in, the, in the daily situations. Because Let's face it, we all work in a very stressful environment. And you know, as, as people continue their careers in leadership, the stresses and responsibilities tend to just continuously ramp up. And I have always personally found it 
beneficial and helpful at times where, you know, just rely on humor to help disarm a situation. And I think it helps put people at ease. But, you know, again, back to Dr. Hartstyle myself, I think they're certainly more similar than they are different. I think we recognize, you know, where our individual expertises um, tend to kind of maybe drop off and the other one picks up. And I'm actually, I'm grateful for uh, the fact that I think we both recognize that. And I will say as uh, just an anecdote, just the other day when we were having our one-on-one -on -one meeting, at the end of the normal agenda, I took the opportunity to kind of like push the agenda away and say, hey, uh, Brian, I just, I need a gut check on something. And, you know, dealing with a personnel decision, certain disciplinary action. And even though these are things you constantly deal with on a weekly basis, sometimes you get a tough one. And it, it's great to be able to sit back and say, hey, this is how I'm seeing this. Let me get your perspective. And I tell you, just having that difference of view or being able to push away from something you may be too close to has just tremendous benefits going forward. I think for me, at least I can say. So when, um, when our executive team has gotten together and especially after there's been a change or an addition to the executive team. So as an example, Steve Abdenauer joined as COO back in March. Um, what we've actually done is had that person, if they hadn't already done it recently, go through strengths finders. Um, and then we actually have a grid. My executive team has a grid where we kind of line up at least uh, each other's strengths finders assessments against each other. And as Steve said, we do find a number of similarities. We all tend to have a good sense of humor. We also tend to be very data uh, oriented, fairly uh, analytical on our approach. But I think it's essential to also recognize when others on the team have either different personality styles or different approaches to leadership. So there are people on our team who are more strategic thinkers. There's an individual on our team who's much more uh, relationship-based uh, with his approach to leadership. And that's an important thing for two reasons. Number one is that the way those skills complement each other is I think essential because if we all look at a problem or issue or situation or opportunity the same way, then you run a very high risk of groupthink. And so we want contrarian thinking. We want to be able to not only have conflict, but of course, to manage it in a very healthy way. So we want um, different perspectives and opinions on a situation. And in healthcare, I think that's sometimes hard to get because I think especially clinicians, doctors, nurses, et cetera, uh, and, um, and I think also healthcare executives tend to be um, relatively similar in their approach. And so to, to, to seek out those different kinds of um, styles is, I think, essential. And also the other reason, of course, is when you're interacting with a person, um, and in my case, I tend to be, as I said, very, pretty data-driven, analytical. I like to be methodical in my, in, in my thinking. And if you're, if you're uh, working with somebody on your team who is just not that way, then, um, then it can be very frustrating. And so that's an example of where I and he have to both flex our styles, even into a realm which may not be entirely comfortable, but we have to flex our styles in order to um, sometimes accomplish our objectives together. Yeah. I will say, I think Brian brings up a very good point because I know there have been certain times where, as he indicated, a lot, of our, a lot of our administrative hallway here, we tend to be a little bit heavy on the analytic side of things. So it's great to kind of recognize, or sometimes, it, it, sometimes you even miss it a little bit. And we've, we've kind of caught each other. And I know there've been a few times where Dr. Hart's even said to me, he says, you know what? You might want to talk to Amanda about this one. She's dealt with something similar in the past and she's going to have a different perspective. And sometimes you'd think it should be, you know, obvious. Sometimes it's helpful to get that little nudge and then be able to kind of 
bounce it off one of your peers and get that different perspective that can be a little more eye-opening because it's just not, not maybe not the way you're used to looking at a problem. I would add to what Steve said is that at our executive team, we try to incorporate um, sort of that, um, that, that different styles, different ways of thinking into, into the way we discuss or share information. So something might be presented and I will in advance pick out somebody in the group to lead the discussion. And what I try to do is actually pick out somebody who does not have expertise necessarily in that area so that they can ask questions from their perspective. And the, and the issue is less, um, does that person have the expertise to ask or, or to guide the discussion in a way uh, that goes in the direction you might expect? It's actually quite the opposite, to bring a, a differing perspective and, and, and sometimes a, a perspective that has less experience in that area. So if we're discussing a safety event, I might have somebody from uh, from finance, as an example, kind of lead the discussion because I want to I want to bring in not only the learning but also the the different perspectives into the conversation so that we intentionally avoid groupthink. And as Steve said, intentionally asking your colleagues for feedback on a situation is another way of doing that. Yeah, feedback is so important. Switching strides a bit here, we'd like to hear a little bit more about how you two work together to make decisions. There's a lot of complexity out there, especially at Cleveland Clinic. You know, we're constantly faced with making decisions and we don't always have the answers. Being that you two bring different backgrounds and experience, what's that process like for you? So I think Steve and I actually work really well together and I, I at least approach it from a few basic principles. The first is let's make sure we're both on the same page with what we're trying to accomplish. So I think simplifying as much as you can, and sometimes that's not all that much, but, but clarify and make unambiguous, whatever you can, um, so that we're on the same page with actually what we're trying to accomplish, and start with structural tension. So let's, before we drill down into what the deficits or the gaps, the problems are, let's start with the idealized goal and what we have working in our favor to try to achieve it. The second is, at least I try to, um, make sure that I'm not stepping outside my swim lane. I will not pretend on any um, you know, facet of the planet Earth to be able to do hospital operations nearly as well as my COO. And so I uh, have to make sure, and I sometimes will ask for feedback to make sure that, that I am framing the goal from my perspective and letting Steve have a sort of equal contribution to that uh, and, and more than equal where it speaks to his expertise. And I think the third is to not get, um, not get bogged down in trying to get too much data. And I think especially uh, sometimes in healthcare and on the clinical side, we, we want more and more and more information before we I have a level of certainty to make a decision. I, I heard at a clinic leadership session, I, and I think the quote uh, was ascribed to Colin Powell. He said, the right time to make a decision is when you have between 40 and 70% of the information you need. If you have more than 70, you waited too long. And if you have less than 40, then, then the risk is too high. And so I think that carries into the last point, which is not afraid to take some risk, um, not, not existential risk, to the organization, but we wanna move as quickly as we can to make the best decisions we can. And we can't count on having perfect information um, to make every decision. Uh, great points that Dr. Hart makes right there. Um, I, I would just add, as, as part of the Cleveland Clinic uh, enterprise, we work in a complex organization. And I, I think what's helpful in working together is um, understanding you know, again, as Brian indicated, what the goal is in this situation. Um, and okay, from a communication perspective, who do we need to reach on this issue? Who do we need to consult? Where's the information coming from? 
and who do we need to speak to as the next step? So sometimes this is a matter of, all right, let's just make sure we're not duplicating each other's work because information can be coming to us from multiple sources on the same subject. It's just sometimes the nature of the beast in an organization so large. So I am appreciative that Brian talks about, you know, knowing maybe the limits of the technical part of the operation. And actually, we kind of joked the other day, we were just dealing with an issue on um, uh, financial clearances. And, you know, at the end of the meeting, it kind of pushed back from the chair and says, you know what, I, I know next to nothing about this. And, and he looked at me and said, what do you think I know about this? So it's admitting what you don't know. And let's find out what are our deficits? Who do we need to pull into this situation? Because let's face it, nobody's going to have the answer to everything. But I think as Brian indicated, it's how do we posture ourselves to get to the point where we can make the most informed decision with you know, the reasonable resources that are at our disposals? Those were two really great answers. Making decisions does involve risk, no matter how we look at it. So as we wind down this interview, we have one final question for you both. What is one piece of advice you would lend our developing leaders at Cleveland Clinic? A couple of things. The golden rule, just honestly, it's the things you learned in third grade, treat people the way you wanna be treated. And I would say in whatever you're doing, whatever your job is at the time, try to be the best at what that, what that need is asking of you. It, it's really been that simple. I've never had a game plan for my whole life saying I need to be at this level or I need to make X amount of compensation or I need to have Y number of people reporting to me. It's put your head down, be good at what's in front of you. Um, and then ultimately the, the last piece I'd say is don't be afraid to stretch yourself because that's how that's how you develop, that's how you learn. And that means taking on something that's gonna be unknown to you at some point and not being afraid of it. Well, Steve gave several pieces of advice there, including one or two that I might've thought of as well. I, I think I would add to what Steve said though, look for an opportunity to create, to create um, something out of a situation or opportunity or, or in solving a problem, to create something which doesn't currently exist. Maybe it's nothing less or more than relationships amongst people and a team that has not come into existence previously, or maybe it's a solution to a problem which uh, has, not, um, has not yet been proposed. I think in our nature, we're creative beings. And I think the, the best in our leadership is brought out when we think about things uh, from that creative perspective. And that's our episode. A huge thank you to Dr. Brian Hart and Steve Abdenauer for taking the time to share their leadership stories with us. And a special thank you to the wonderful Colleen Carroll for asking such great questions. That's it for us at GLLI. Stay curious and keep learning.